if we set faith growing goals, then we can lock into a, a really literally a daily plan becomes a ritual, becomes a habit, becomes a lifetime. If you've ever wanted to have a handbook for someone to hand you and say, all right, this is what you got to do to get your life figured out. Well, Todd Isburner has made that for you. It's called What Every Man Needs to Know, How to Master Faith, Family, Fitness, and Finances. And he's hanging out in the 30-second book club this week. And Todd, I know this is going to be speaking to men, but I feel like these are just universal truths. Yeah, thank you, Andy. You're absolutely right. They are universal truths. I've slanted it towards men because I'm a man, (laughs) because I work with men. And I have for many, many years in different men's ministries and mentoring men. And what I've discovered is uh, that rises up to the surface is men are having a real identity crisis these days. It's it's like I'm not quite sure who I'm supposed to be, and the reason we're in that place is because the uh, the world around us is trying to shape us into a politically correct man. But a lot of times, the view of a politically correct man goes contrary to how God wired men. So uh, these four areas of life are things that men and women deal with every day of their lives, but. I just believe that men are wired to be uh, providers, protectors, leaders. When I say leaders, I mean servants. And there's some some key things that a man needs to grab onto so he can be successful in each one of those four areas. And we're going to get into that here in a little bit, but I just keep thinking um, the classic phrase, you know, you got to be a man with a plan. And <laughs> I feel like your book kind of talks about that, right? Because I, I feel like there's a lot there's a lot about men not feeling like they have direction or purpose and that's just because we're just kind of wandering because you don't have purpose if you're just wandering aimlessly. Uh, so true. I love that. A man with a plan. I need to put that in the revision edition of my book. <laughs> because that's really what the, the book is about. It does offer a plan. And we all have heard the saying, I don't mean to sound corny, but you know, if you if you fail to plan, you will plan to fail. And that's just true. And I, I don't mean you got to get so overboard that your life is strapped down by all the little boxes and your task list that you've got to check off. But the reality is if you step up a little higher above it all in these four areas, if there isn't a plan at work in your life to grow your faith, to deepen your family relationships, to get yourself in better shape physically, mentally, and spiritually, and to manage finance as well, if there isn't a plan in each one of those areas, guess what? We just kind of go to our default button, and that is we we respond to the tyranny of the urgent, and then we really are all over the road. But when a plan is laid out, along with some goals and some benchmarks along the way, these areas truly can be mastered, and life truly can go a lot better. Now, right at the beginning of the book, before we get into the four uh, different uh, uh, sections that we need to master, I I love what you say about real men asking for help when they need it. When did you realize that in your life? Oh, I don't even want to admit that. (laughs) It's probably... But certainly as, as, uh, as boys, we ask for a lot of help, and then the lot of help that we ask for turns into demands as we move into our teams. It's not any longer, can you help me with this, but this is what I'm going to do. Because as men grow up, we, we have this natural bent towards becoming independent and self-sufficient. And of course, this is where God comes into play, <laughs> because as we deepen our faith, we have a much better understanding of how we can live out our role. And, uh, you know, the, the reality is um, you're never really too old to learn something new. And I think I really started to figure out that I don't know it all and I need some help when I was in my mid-20s going through a particular life crisis. And I was banging into the walls and flipping upside down and burying my head in sand until God got me in a place where I, I had to ask for help. 
And so first we, you know, we come to him, we ask for help in our relationship with him. And then the other areas, same thing. We, we realize, okay, this area here is just like not functioning like it should. I got to have some help. So really for me in my mid twenties, when I started to finally wise up and realize I don't have all the answers, I got to get some help. This is a great book talking about First off, admitting you need help, you need to do some things, you need to change your life, you need to focus on some different goals. And so now let's just jump right into the first section. Faith, I'm sure is it's not by accident that you placed it first. Yeah, you're so true. The other areas, they kind of go successively. But if, if we don't start with um, deepening our faith and a desire to get to know God more, to become more intimate with Him, if we don't start there, then the other things really... Um, aren't going to make as much sense as God wants them to make in our lives. We, I really truly believe we cannot be as successful in those areas until God is in the center of each one of those areas. I mean, there are lots of good plans out there. There's lots of things and resources that you can take advantage of to develop all of these areas. But the point is, what's the purpose in developing those areas? If we start in deepening our faith and deepening our level of intimacy with the Lord, God reveals things to us. And we have a much better opportunity to dig down to find the basic principles that we're able to latch on to that govern these four areas of life. So, man, I'm, I'm 100% convinced that the number one area is to deepen our faith, find our purpose and meaning as God has intended it for us. And as we grow in that and begin to share that life, there's like a spillover from that relationship with God in the lives of others. And let me tell you, that is easier said than done. Right. Well, and, and as you talk about in the um, in your faith section, you talk about setting your faith growing goals. And I think for a lot of people, they would say, well, what does that look like? What, what is set? What, what kind of goals do we set when it comes to our faith journey? Yeah, I almost felt funny saying it that way, because we get sort of distorted when it comes to goal setting. And can you really set you know, faith goals? And I'm I'm convinced you can. There's some great material out there. And I give lots of uh, website resources from reliable uh, people who develop these areas out much more. This, this book really is a, it's an overview. It's a handbook. It's a basic training manual, but I didn't want to take um, too much time of, uh, from a man and having to read through pages and pages. So I've offered resources in here, but there is a, there is a, um, a way to start out in setting faith growing goals by just checking a couple of things that I, that I put in my book here about where you might want to start. There's a, there's a great passage in first Peter that will challenge all of us <laughs> and, and we, we don't want to get overly complicated with it. But I think if we sort of, sort of break that out for our own lives, where we're going to end up is saying, okay, I, I want to, um, I want my faith to grow stronger. How do I do that? So that's kind of a big generic goal, but you can literally can break that thing down and to be honest with you, the, the, the easiest answer and the shortest way to do that is to make sure we're spending time with God every day. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, duh, there's a revelation. No, but that's a lot harder than it sounds because we all get busy. And so we say, yeah, I'm going to just float up a quick prayer here. I'm just going to, I'm going to grab a quick verse here. I'll do my devotions in the car. <laughs> but, but if we set faith-growing goals, then we can lock into a, a really literally a daily plan becomes a ritual, becomes a habit, becomes a lifetime. In chapter four in the family section, you talk about own your responsibility to love unconditionally. And this is great advice if you feel like you're in a relationship where you might be giving a whole lot and your spouse or maybe even just another relationship where the other person's not giving a lot. And you just think, do I have to keep loving them? How do I keep going? And you talk about 
you know, how do you handle something that you have no control over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for getting into that because um, that is so easy to kind of mouth out like, oh, I'll just love unconditionally. I mean, God loves me unconditionally. He wants me to love the way uh, the way he loves me. I'll just love others unconditionally. Really? <laughs> I mean, the answer is an unqualified yes, absolutely. We have to love unconditionally, but we have to learn how to do that. And I think um, I, I just go back to my own story and I'm not going to share my story in detail here, but I literally had to learn to love unconditionally in a relationship situation. And I, I, I thought that answer would be in a book somewhere or online or YouTube. <laughs> God must really laugh when we come to him with uh, an expectation of the easy way to do this. When we learn to love unconditionally, we literally have to go through a boot camp that God designs for us that is always testing us. Not because God needs to find out how willing are you to pass the test and learn to love unconditionally, because I need to find out how willing am I to learn to love unconditionally. And the truth is, you cannot do that on your own. I don't care how much love you store up inside yourself. If it's not God's agape, supernatural, Holy Spirit-empowered love, it will fall short, leading to frustration, to chaos, to breakups, to disappointments, to hurt and pain. So owning our responsibility to love unconditionally, while challenging and difficult in a bit of a boot camp, the outcome is phenomenal. Circumstances may not change to the way we want them to be, but we will be free and we will be much more Christ-like and people who can be drawn to the love of God flowing out within us. Talking with Todd Isburner about his book, What Every Man Needs to Know, Faith, Family, just mentioned, uh, touched on that. Now, fitness, that's a big one for a lot of people. And Todd, I love right at the very beginning of your fitness section, you say, determine what you want and why. So what does that look like if someone says, all right, after hearing your story, Todd, and, and, and knowing about your book and reading about it, I, I, today is day one. I'm going to make a change in my life when it comes to <laughs> being better physically. How do I do that? What, 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 what does the goal look like? Yeah, you literally have got to spend just a little time writing it out. You have to say, okay, I'm not happy with the weight I'm at. Uh, I'm not happy with fill in the blank. And then you've got to ask yourself why you're not happy with that and why you want to change that. Maybe you want to gain more muscle and have more strength because you're just feeling like a weak little, you know, weakling. <laughs> and there, there are all kinds of, of personal needs that I think we have in the area of fitness. But we, we have a tendency to blow over them again because we don't take the time to really sit down and find out specifically what do I want to change and what's my reason for wanting to change that? When I get, and let me tell you, it's pretty easy to lay down all the things on the list of what I want to change. It's a whole other different story to say, well, why I want to change them. And I think if we just take time, there's even room in the book here to kind of write out your why, why this and why that. And as we do that, it becomes much more potentially actionable. And then I move into that in the book. I mean, I literally provide an opportunity to you for you to record uh, your status on where you are with things like uh, you know your weight and your measurements and your mental health and uh, your caloric intake, all those kinds of things that affect our physical fitness, your sleep habits. And once we sort of do an analysis on that, it allows us to then set realistic goals on how we can change that. And I just walk through a process. And again, there's there's resources in here that I point you to that'll help you through that process as well. But once you have that in place, 
You decide what it is you want, why it is you want it. You do an analysis of where you are and where you want to go and you set those goals. Then the cool part is you literally get to put into place a plan of action where you build in daily disciplines and routines from eating to exercise. You don't have to go kill yourself out of the chute. But I promise as we move along the continuum of change, little changes lead to more little changes, which leads eventually to big changes. And that is powerful motivation to keep going. All right. So one last section, finances. And this might be the biggest thing for a lot of people too. I know they've done studies that this is the biggest thing that breaks up couples in the end. It's it's not agreeing on finances, not being on the same page. So it's so important. And I love, Todd, what you talk about. I think a lot of people would say, oh, you know, the Bible doesn't really have any practical advice for my life. It's an old book. But I, I was even surprised that the Bible talks about money 2,000 different times. Right. <laughs> and by the way, if you want to see all 2,000 scripture references, I point you to the, to the resource where you can go find those. Uh, and it's true. Uh, I mean, Jesus himself talked more about money. So we say, really? What? So when you check those scriptures out, you'll see, well, yeah, there is a lot of talk about money in the Bible. Why is that? Well, I think it starts with that being this, this form of currency in our lives that occupies so much of our time, so much of our thoughts, so much of our emotion, that if we're not handling it properly, it drives us crazy. It's like the little computer programming always running in the background. In the back of your head, there is concern, there is worry, there is anxiety about money issues, whether or not you have enough or you have too much, you don't know what to do with it or whatever. But the reality is until we first back up and understand the, the meaning of money in our lives, we'll never be able to work out the rest of it. And so in that first section, in that uh, chapter one in that section, I just, I talk about understanding the meaning of money and the different definitions, it's surprising how many different definitions or meanings we attach to money in our lives. And I, I run through about uh, seven or eight different meanings to money and then ask you to literally write down what is the meaning of money for you. And then from there, you really need to understand, well, then if this is my understanding with what money means to me, what is God's take on money? We start to flesh that out in the book. Again, I don't go deep in all the scriptures, just laying out a few principles of where God stands on the topic of money, basic principles that can help govern our meaning and understanding of money, which then leads to how we manage it. And I think God gives great advice and there's tremendous practical advice on how to manage that money so that it doesn't preoccupy us or own us. And Jesus was very clear about that. Where our treasury is, that's where our heart will be also. When you learn to manage money, I promise you the very first thing you go on to do is give more money to God's kingdom. It's just a natural outflow of truly understanding the meaning and managing it well. One final thing with uh, Todd Isburner, his book, What Every Man Needs to Know, How to Master Faith, Family, Fitness, and Finances. Todd, I love the very back part because especially as a guy, it's so easy to tie your work and your career um, and make it everything about us. You know, if we lose our job, then we don't feel like we have worth anymore. Yeah, I run into a lot of guys, and probably this is just common among all of us, and and that is um, the career, the profession, the job uh, has a has a nasty way of trying to own us and then tell us what our identity is. And that really can mess us up, especially if we lose that job or get uncomfortable and want to move to jobs. Then, then I find a lot of men saying, well, God, what is your will? What do you want me to do? And I, and I know this is going to probably fly in the face of someone's theology, but I don't think God cares that much about the specifics of what you do. 
And now wait, I'm not saying he doesn't have a calling on your life. I believe he does. He has a purpose, a very specific purpose for each one of us. And he has a very specific calling and an empowerment to, to fulfill that purpose. But the reality is that purpose can be fulfilled in a whole variety of different occupations, careers, jobs. You might change jobs seven to eight times in your life. And with that might even come a career change. Awesome, man. I commend you because that just tells me that you understand your overall purpose that you can bring into each job setting or into each career. And friend, let me just tell you right now, if you're struggling right now, like I hate what I'm doing, I don't want to do it anymore. Um, your job does not define who you are. God defines who you are and the character traits within you. So find something you like to do and go chase it down. <laughs> we are in the land of opportunity, man. If you want to shift from uh, from high-tech software analysis to farming, go do it. <laughs> you got unlimited opportunities, and God will give you the empowerment to fulfill his purpose for you, no matter what you do. Again, that's What Every Man Needs to Know. The book is uh, by Todd Isburner, and they got a link for it at myktis.com if you want to check out more. Next week, we're going to welcome you to Crazy Town Population, every mom with kids and diapers. Aaron Brown Hollis has some tips on how to thrive while barely surviving. It's called Cheers to the Diaper Years.